0: You're listening to Misunderstood Podcast, where we are setting the record straight on all things misunderstood. I'm your host, Kelly Hall Sabraki, pageant runner up, model, speaker, wife, and U.S. Navy lieutenant. I may have never won a Miss USA title, but I am the queen of being misunderstood. Welcome to the show, guys. What's up, world? Welcome to a special bonus episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I'm actually doing another cross-interview that I recently recorded with podcast host Teresa Carpenter on her show, Stories of Service. She recently had me on her YouTube channel slash podcast sharing my story where I've been, where I'm going, what my journey has been like in the Navy. And I really get into the weeds about my experience, specifically when I did not qualify as a service warfare officer, what that was like for me, how I navigated that failure, but also how it's propelled me forward in my endeavors now. I think this is a really powerful episode and really shows a lot more of me, transparent me, And a little bit more of my journey so far. I think it's really powerful. I think her questions are powerful. I think this conversation is powerful. And I think it would be a disservice to my audience if I didn't share this with you all. Check out her podcast and her YouTube channel, Stories of Service, where she features amazing military members who share their unique journeys. I'm going to say no more. I'm going to dive right in. I'm still working on season four for you all. But I'm taking this quick break, intermission, if you will, hop on here and share this with you. Tune in for Stories of Service with Teresa Carpenter
1: and me. Well, hello, everybody, and happy Sunday. And welcome to the 69th episode of Stories of Service, Ordinary People Who Do Extraordinary Work. And I'm the host of Stories of Service, Teresa Carpenter. And today we have another uh, long-awaited guest who I've known for a number of years. Kelly Sabracci. Kelly, how are you doing today?
0: I am so thrilled to be here. It is time. It is time that we showed up on this podcast together. So thanks for having me.
1: Oh gosh. I'm so excited. I know we did about a year ago. We did a podcast Mm -hmm. with yourself, Alexa, Alexis, and your friend, Jackie. And it was Mm -hmm. all about sort of influencer culture and Navy influencers. But I knew even as I was doing that show that I wanted to have this opportunity to just talk to you one-on-one and get to know you a little bit better and your story. And uh, today, what we're gonna be talking about is sort of what drives Kelly each day in her ability to succeed, not only in the military, but as a Naval officer, she's a business owner, podcaster, writer and an informal and unofficial uh, Navy influencer. But what I really want to do is just take a moment and just read this very impressive military biography because I know, you're welcome. I know a lot of people see what you do on Instagram but uh, they don't have in front of me this list here and I think that it's worth repeating. So I'm gonna start off by just saying Kelly was raised as a Navy brat. Uh, She is originally from Stafford, Virginia. And after being recruited to run track at the US Naval Academy, track and cross-country, she received her commission in Annapolis, Maryland, in 2014. Immediately upon graduation, she was commissioned as a surface warfare officer and reported to the USS Pinckney during her Western Pacific deployment. She served on board for two years as a first lieutenant responsible for 26 sailors in the deck division, and she transferred to the Human Resources community in 2016. Her human resources assignments have led to a specialization in force development as the assistance operations officer in charge of all recruiting in Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia at Navy Recruiting District Ohio. In October 2017, she was assigned as lead medical recruiter and later awarded Medical Recruiter of the Year in 2019. She served at the Navy Talent Acquisition Group in Los Angeles, California as officer in charge of talent acquisition on Board Center Hollywood. And while there, she led 77 recruiters in the accomplishment of the enlisted recruiting mission. She currently serves as a flag aid to Admiral Jennifer S. Culture, Commander Naval Service Training Command in Great Lakes. And her education includes a bachelor's of science in political science from the U.S. Naval Academy and a professional in human resources certification from the Human Resources Certification Institute. But as I said before, she's much more than just a naval officer. She's also a professional model, entrepreneur, and previous Miss USA State Contestant, where she placed runner-up at Miss California USA. And she's a multi-passionate leader who travels nationwide speaking to girls and young women about overcoming stereotypes, the obstacles facing women in the military, and maximizing their full potential using the power within. She has been a keynote speaker at the National Girl Scouts Convention, the U.S. Naval Academy's Diversity Conference, interviewed by multiple morning television shows, mentor for the female-led I mean, it just goes on and on. The female- <laughs> female-led organization Rolling our experiences and was selected to film her own episode of the Navy documentary, Faces of the Fleet. She has numerous military awards, including three Navy and Marine Corps commendation medals, Navy and Marine Corps achievement medals, the Navy Recruiting District Ohio, Fiscal Year 18 Inspirational Officer of the Year. She was the Fiscal Year 19 Medical Recruiter of the Year and 16 gold wreaths for recruiting excellence and has received numerous unit and service medals and ribbons. Oh my gosh, Wow. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Sometimes I forget I did a lot of things. So I appreciate the like reminder that that's happened to me.
1: (laughs) No, I think it's good. And it's good to reflect back on all the things that, you know, make us who we are and give people a little bit more of the rich background about you and not just the face that they see on Instagram. So that's why it was important to me to read those things. So first off, I'm going to start with the most basic question that I ask anybody who has served in the military. And that is, Why did you decide to join the Navy and what led you to make that decision?
0: Yeah, you know, the reason why I joined is now become and continues to be the reason why I stayed. And I think that that's not the same for a lot of people, but I'm finding that like, that is truly what's what's driving me. And when I, you know, was a, a teenager, really when I was a kid, I was kind of that person that always wanted to do the hardest, most difficult thing. I wanted to do the hardest math class because I wanted to prove I could, I could do it. I wanted to run for class president because I wanted to prove I could do it. So when I came to picking college and I looked at all these amazing opportunities I was being offered at SEC schools to go run, to go run for D1 schools, I was like, wow, like what an incredible journey that would be. But then when I got offered to go to the Naval Academy and got recruited and then later accepted to go to the Naval Academy. I just thought, this is the hardest, most difficult thing I could think of doing at 17. I truly couldn't think Mm -hmm. of anything harder. You know, I was like, oh, it would be hard to go run at LSU. It would be hard to go run for Alabama. Like, that would definitely be hard. But those journeys would end. I would graduate someday. And then what? But in this scenario, I would not just go to a difficult school, but I would eventually become a naval officer. And if I could do that, if I could graduate and become a naval officer and be a leader, like, You know, if I could prove to myself that I could do that, that's what got me in the door. And now in the Navy, I'm almost hitting nine years active duty, which is insane to me. But every year that goes by, something challenging happens. And I'm like, okay. but if I can do that, like I'm proving to myself Mm -hmm. I can accomplish this. And it's truly making me a more confident person. And the Navy is allowing and awarding those opportunities for me. So the Navy, it it magnifies everything. It makes everything more difficult. It's a really hard industry to be in, community to be in, organization to be in. Not just anyone can do it. So every year that goes by that I do it and I do it well, I try to do the (laughs) best I can, I'm really proud. There's opportunities that come all the time for me to pursue civilian opportunities. But I'm like, I'm doing this for the Navy. You know, like only people in the military or students in the military can understand just how rewarding that is.
1: What do you think was your biggest apprehension going into the Navy? Like, what do you think was the thing that scared you the most about doing it? The
0: exact reason why I have a platform now, which is I never saw women who looked or had interests similar to mine. I grew up with my father and he is in the Navy now. I really only saw it as a male-dominated community. Um, And then the women I did see that were in it, they were just so tough and really scary. Like, that was my perception. (laughs) I was, like, terrified to speak to them. And so I remember talking to my mom the day before I left for the Naval Academy, and I was like, everyone's going to think I'm a freak. I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to make friends. Like, what if I don't make any friends? She was like, Kelly, you're going to make friends. I'm like, what if, like, they're not as feminine or girly Mm -hmm. or spunky or quirky, like, I was so fearful of that. And so that was my biggest fear. And it's still difficult to this day to find women in the military that have similar passions or interests,
1: but it doesn't mean you can't serve. Right. And I think that it's hard to be different in the Navy. Mm -hmm. It's hard to be different in any male dominated field, I think, because there's just still so few women who have made it up to the senior ranks. Mm-hmm. And so there's sort of a type that gets to those ranks and sometimes having to shatter those, like you said, those stereotypes of, of what a woman can be who serves. A woman can be a model, like you said, she can be into fashion and, and into very feminine things and then still kick butt and do the job and do mm-hmm. the work. And mm-hmm. I think that you showed that that was possible. Did you face times in your early career, and even today, where it just feels lonely. It feels lonely because you know that you sort of have this thing that you're doing that's different, and it's not the same path that some of your peers are on. You know, some of them are are starting families, and they're into other things, but they're not necessarily along that same line or in that journey that you are. You know, and I know you have Jackie, your Mm -hmm. best friend, who's into this, but I would say that that's not really the norm, and so
0: yeah. To be honest, so without Jackie, so Jackie is my roommate at the Naval Academy. She's a Marine Corps officer. She also has a, you know, large passion for social media influencing. But her interest, you know, she's never done pageants or modeling, anything like that. Her interests are definitely very different than mine. Having that support system has been huge. I probably feel lonely once a week at one point or another because... Just in general, like, since going into the Navy, like, I didn't have, you know, really feminine women or mentors around me who I could speak to. And then that's turned into, I didn't know a lot of women who had successful marriages that I could speak to. And then I didn't have a lot of feminine mentors who had interests outside of the Navy. Like, when I first got into the Navy, the department heads on my ship were like, that's great for after the military. Like, oh, you like (laughs) photography. That's cute. But, like, you need to focus on being a surface warfare officer. And I was like, I don't understand why taking photos on a Saturday is like a bad thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's fueling my creativity. Like at the time I wanted to be a public affairs officer. And so there, I just kept meeting these people that were like, that's cool, but save it for after the military. And I wanted to start paving this tangential path of like, I can be committed to the Navy, but also do X, Y, and Z. And so I found mentors along the way who maybe aren't doing everything that I'm interested in, but they're doing one of the few things I'm interested in. But I still feel lonely time to time because I feel like people aren't thinking as largely as I am or on a greater scope or maybe are quite as multi-passionate and they just don't quite get it. And so that's hard because I am just such a passionate person and it's driven and fueled by nothing but... Wanting to make the most positive impact I can, and that's c- always derived. Usually, like it's negative. People are like, "Oh, it's it's not possible that she's doing all this because she truly wants to make a difference." Like it's so self interested, and I'm like, it's really not. And so, fighting that <laughs> weekly is lonely. It truly right. is.
1: Right, and I think that the thing that you have to do is, and I think we all, any of us who have a public presence, goes through this, and it's kind of like that. The people online who who don't understand what we're doing or why we're telling these stories, but then they don't see the inbox and they don't see like the feedback and the comments and the people who say, I joined the Navy because of you, or, you know, thank you for highlighting this issue. I, I, you know, I struggle with it too. And and you're so brave to, to speak out about it. So that's, I think what I would like to get into now is kind of what have been sort of your high points along the way, like as you started to develop yourself in the navy what would you say i mean cuz you you were able to get into recruiting which is mm-hmm. so perfect with who you are then you went in, you know and you went into human resources what would you say were some of those like points along the journey that led you to where you are today
0: so i'm a faith based person i'm a god girl so i say a lot of this is i've been fortunate enough that my faith led me to Everything working out. I'm one of those people, everything's going to work out, right? But I hit rock bottom when I was in my first year and a half in the Navy. And I was a surface warfare officer at the time, going through a lot of medical problems and also extremely lonely. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends in my first duty station. I didn't have a lot of friends at all that had similar interests as mine. And so I just was kind of like cyclical, showing up at work, trying to get qualifications, struggling with leadership, like, Just had a really hard time, and then when I got pulled from my ship, actually I'll backtrack. When I started going through medical problems, the stigma of being one of those people, right, Right. having dealing with
1: the ship all the time and going to medical, yeah, like how
0: dare you take care of yourself, Mm -hmm. which is truly a problem. Like the fact that I couldn't just go to medical. Like I had, I'm gonna tell a quick story. I literally. Went to my IDC like four times with some of my medical problems. And he was like, oh, you probably just ate like a bad salad. And I was like, I'm getting sick every week. Like something's wrong with me. And then I went to my doctor, Navy doctor, and they still were like, oh, you're probably like a deployment evader or whatever, ship hopper. Like you're probably, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, like something is wrong with me. So it wasn't until my like women's wellness exam that happens once a year, I told my gynecologist, I was like, by the way, I'm getting sick every week. And these are my symptoms. And she was like, I think I need to refer you to a neurologist. Like, I think you have like a severe chronic migraines and all these extra things I was going through. So it took me talking to seven medical providers before I could actually get the help that I needed. And that was about a year of being commissioned. And then on top of that, not only do I have medical providers they're not believing what I'm saying, but now I have to deal with the wardroom. Now I have to deal with the leadership. I'm getting out of things. I'm going to medical appointments. Like I'm trying to be there for my sailors who I loved and they were incredible. So I was battling all of these things personal and professional, not having one person really say like are you okay? You know, and like hey uh-huh. Kelly, like you still have something to add here to the team. Like my chief was the only person who really supported me through that time. He on the side was saying, "Like you're a great officer because you care. You may not know everything about the ship, but you work hard when you're here and you care, and you're doing the best that you can, and that's all you can do. Know that you care." But my department head was saying, "I failed." She literally was telling me on the side, "She's like, you're failing as a naval officer." Direct quote. Wow. And I was like, "What? It's so polarizing." Like I have these sailors who respect me, and you know who are really confiding in me as a leader, as an ensign. But then I have a department head who's basically telling me I suck because I'm not here enough because I'm going through this medical stuff. So I feel like going through all of that, when I was reassigned as an an HR officer, which was a miracle, I had uh, like 30 something people go up for my board and I was one of three that got selected. Wow. And it was a straight up miracle. I mean, I had my resume ready. I was like, I'm getting out of the Navy. Like they were going to kick me out of the Navy. There's no way they're going to pick me. I've already been told I'm a terrible Naval officer. Like I didn't get my SWO pin because I got pulled off my ship. Like they're not going to give me a chance. I know it. And it sucks because I was like, I went to the Naval Academy to be a leader, period. Right. I want to be a Naval officer. I don't want to just get this free education and bounce. Like that's not why I went to the Naval Academy. I went to be a Naval officer. So when I was assigned an HR officer by Miracle and sent to Columbus, Ohio, which is my last choice on the planet Earth, but I got sent to Ohio and then I got assigned to recruiting randomly, I felt like it was literally I had an opportunity to all hands on deck, do everything I could to be the best officer, the best leader, make the biggest impact and really start using these attributes that naturally came to me. I was naturally, you know, a speaker. I naturally loved the Navy. I naturally, you know, told my story. So it was like the perfect fit. And within that first year, I was reminded, like, I do have value to -hmm. give to the Navy. Just because I failed at that initial assignment, quote, failed. You know, when I was going through personal things and it didn't turn out the way that I had hoped. You know, that you like vision you have once you commission, you're like, oh, I'm going to be such an amazing, inspiring Mm -hmm. officer. My first tour, like all these awards it's going to be incredible. Yeah. write novels about me. No, that was the opposite for me. (laughs) But I was like, I'm going to redeem myself and I'm going to show my value to the Navy and I can do this. And so I entered recruiting in 2016 and I hit the ground running. I really haven't looked back ever since because I know what it's like to feel like you are worthless to the military. Even now, like I suffer from extreme imposter syndrome all the time because I know people are out there doing extremely hard jobs. They work long hours or they're deployed or they don't see their families or they're, you know, in charge of incredibly difficult weapon systems. And that's amazing. But guess what? Like, I have a unique skill set and I'm going to keep trying to use that to build the Navy because they may not be able to do what I can do either. And we all have a job to do.
1: Yeah. We all have something that we give. And I think sometimes we really do a disservice to our sailors and to ourselves when we pigeonhole certain skills and and prioritize Mm -hmm. certain people's abilities over others. And it sounds like really what happened is you not being able to fully finish the SWO community was a blessing in disguise because it got you down a path that really allowed you to use your skills and your knowledge, your skills and your abilities in a way that would never have been able to fully Mm -hmm. service the Navy or yourself otherwise. And so it, it was meant to be, and it's, Again, it's interesting because it's like sometimes we think that our biggest uh, stuck points are the most painful experiences. But when you reflect back, those most painful experiences were often the gateway to yeah. the bigger thing that, that happened next.
0: And I think so, it makes you more thankful. Like not a day goes by in my career now as an HR officer. You know, I'm not recruiting anymore. I'm in a sessions but I truly like I'll wake up and I'm like, I love my job so much. Like, I'm so thankful that the Navy gave me a second chance and I get to do what I do now.
1: Absolutely. And so as you were going along this path, give me a little bit about what it was that made you decide, okay, I'm doing this stuff in the HR world. I'm working in recruiting now. I'm going to start taking what I'm doing in recruiting and I'm going to build a public platform. Tell me a little bit about how that even the idea to do that. But actually, I want to back up and I hate to Mm -hmm. do this. I, I want to get into the Instagram thing, but I do want to, my one friend did ask a question here and I don't want to miss it. She said, being feminine is definitely hard to balance in uniform. How do you deal with your emotions? For example, crying in uniform was a big no when I was active duty. I wouldn't let my female sailors cry in uniform.
0: Yeah, that's a great, great question. So I say in general, being feminine, you know, I was told, at the Naval Academy, like week one, plebe summer, like don't wear makeup. People are going to think less of you. And I truly didn't understand that concept because at that point, like I'd always been super girly. Like it was something that I did for me that like built my confidence. So I just completely ignored the advice. Like I've gotten (laughs) that advice several times, you know, now people know not to tell me that, Um, but like for years, it's what I heard. And I think, you know, you truly need to tap into those things that make you the most confident. And that was one of those qualities for me. So people might judge you initially, just like they might judge you initially if they see you crying or they may judge you because, you know, don't you love how when men stand up and say and speak their minds, people are like, wow, you're so passionate. You're so decisive. You're so, like, we love the passion. Mm -hmm. But I've stood up and fought for my sailors at, you know, a mapping board or whatever. And they go, oh, you're being really emotional about this. You're like, it's so funny, like how that happens, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But my point is, people might have those initial perceptions of you, but your work ethic and your determination and drive will prove otherwise. And every single time, and I know this about my career now, every single time I check into a command, it takes about three months for people to adjust to me. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> seriously, like even now when I checked in as a flaggate, people always sit me down and they mm-hmm. go, Kelly, like, I think that you should seriously consider like, toning it down or going on (laughs) private. Every single time I check into a command, I always get this sitting down with like three different officers. And I'm like, okay, thanks so much for your advice. Oh yeah. Maybe wear less makeup. Okay. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. And then I'm like, see me in three months because none of that impacts my work ethic. I will show up early and I will stay late and I will work my butt off because I'm passionate about my job and I love the Navy and I love what I'm doing putting on a full face of makeup has nothing to do with my ability to work less or more. So that's a long-winded of saying, like, eventually people will take notice of your work ethic and how much you attribute to the team, regardless of how much you, maybe how emotional you are or how Mm -hmm. much makeup you wear.
1: Yep. I think that getting results is the um, ultimate showcasing of your work. It's the ultimate thing is, do you drive results? Do you push for outcomes in your organization? Now, I will say, I think being different and having a different approach or being having a different personality, it's definitely makes things harder. But what would make things worse is to be something other than you weren't. That would just be a mismatch. If yep. if you can't be yourself and you can't bring your whole personality into your work, then I don't think that you're going to be as effective in getting results. And no. so I just see it as the military has to adjust to different types of people. Yes, there is a sort of a normative type of person, I think or a, you know a certain gender certain race certain these things but one of the things we've got to do in the military and you talk about it a lot in your work is that we've got to blast those stereotypes and we have to show case diversity and show mm-hmm. different types of people who serve and that also means diversity of personalities you know it doesn't just mean diversity of race or diversity of gender it means that we need to have people in the military who can approach problems differently because they might be that one person in the room who raises their hand and says no this isn't what we should do have you guys thought about it this way mm-hmm. and that might be that one way the ad- adversary is also going to be attacking this problem mm-hmm. and if you can get in front of that then you've won the battle so to speak so absolutely i just think it's so important to just be yourself i mean that's kind of my platform is is being yourself and being authentic and being able to take your full self into whatever it is you do because when you are yourself and you can celebrate that you're more impactful as a leader and as a professional
0: yes praise hands yes. emojis
1: <laughs> so tell me a little bit about what inspired you to take what you were doing in your work and say okay i'm gonna have a public platform i know that you yeah. were a recruiter and it was encouraged but i don't think that you thought it was going to end up to where it is today
0: no and I think it's so funny because, God, people just online, they just kill me. They just absolutely kill me, Teresa. Like, people online who troll or make memes about me or whatever, like, they don't realize, like, how much, like, laughter it brings me and my husband at night when we're sharing a nice margarita. Because <laughs> I have so many people who think, like, she joined the Navy to become an influencer. Not right. Like you <laughs> and on that Instagram. Is, like, So Instagram wasn't even around when I joined right. the Navy. Like, what? And trust me, I would be making a lot more as an influencer than I would as a military officer right now. That's the sad reality of it, to be frank. But that's not why I did it. And I, to backtrack, my dream in life is to be a morning show host. Since the fourth grade, I've wanted to be a morning show host. And I joined the Navy because at the time in high school, I was um, editor of my yearbook. I was anchoring the school news. I was a photographer. Joined the Navy because I wanted to be a public affairs officer. That was like the goal, mm-hmm. right? After yeah. I got my SWOPEN. pen. So really when I fell into recruiting, I was initially in charge of all of officer accessions. So officer recruiting there in Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. So I wasn't actually doing the recruiting myself. I was initially just in charge mm-hmm. of it. Right. And I had I 16 recruiters um, yep. that ranged from uh, first class to 04, right? And so at the time I was 24 years old. I was Lieutenant JG reporting as a department head, like kind of a mistake on the HR community's part because I was really junior to be doing this. But when I showed up and I was in initial conversations, they were talking to me about some of their methods. And long story short, none of my recruiters on social media, none of them, (laughs) zero of them. And this was very early in Instagram. This is more when Facebook was still pretty heavy in Mm -hmm. 2016. And so I brought it up at a meeting and I was like, okay, like I would really recommend a lot of you start taking to Facebook. And one of the O4s at the time was like, that will never work. And I was like, <laughs> oh, like, why is that? And he's like, it just won't. Like I've been in recruiting for 10 years. Like you just don't know, like you're too new. And I was like, well, I'm 24 and your target market is my peers. And we're all on social media. We're all on Facebook, we're all on Instagram, but like minimum Facebook, where that's where we are. And that's how we consume our information. So they laughed at me, whatever, whatever. Everyone ignored me, stupid Lieutenant JG. And then I became a recruiter. So I flip-flopped with one of the LTs so he could get department head cardiac and I became a medical recruiter. And the first thing I did, the day that I moved into my office as a recruiter, I made a Facebook account, Lieutenant Kelly Hall. And I recorded a video at 5 p.m. on a Friday. I hadn't even touched up my lipstick, which was like such a bad thing looking back (laughs) because it got so many views. But I recorded a video (laughs) about the medical HPSP program and it was less than two minutes. And I posted it to Facebook. And I had the Mm -hmm. time I had like 80 followers. It got 200,000 views in 72 hours. And after that, my CO, my chain of command, and Millington. Started listening. They're like, there's some lieutenant that like posted a video and it's going viral. And my CEO called me and she was like, I fully support what you're doing. Do more of it. Like, let's build an empire. You got the green wow. light. That's and I great. said, Yes, ma'am. And so mm-hmm. I started doing. It. I started taking everything to social media and to Facebook. So I built my Facebook platform for probably like ten months. And then finally, mm-hmm. I was like, Okay, let's get real. Like, everything's transitioning to Instagram. So I made a Instagram account, Lieutenant Hall, and I started doing everything on Lieutenant Hall. And that blew up. I also thought that that would get like 500 followers. Like literally, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get like a thousand followers. And so, because at the time, I was still posting to my personal page, not recruiting, but like sharing about my life in the Navy. But it was getting too difficult. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to post about what my girlfriends and I did on a Friday night, but then also be like Navy opportunities, you know? Right. So I was like, I need to separate them. Yep. And I just have the Navy page for recruiting. And so, but then that blew up. So, within 18 months, I had 36,000 followers on my Navy page. And I was like, well, I'd gotten a lot of you know, respect and attention from CNRC, Navy Recruiting Command, started training other recruiters on how to do it. And now it's an expectation for every recruiter to have a it social is. media page. Right. So, that was kind of a little bit of my legacy. Now, when I, when I interviewed to be a flag aide, and I got accepted for the job here in Great Lakes as the flag aide for Admiral Kucher, I decided on my own to deactivate my recruiting account because mm-hmm. that was not my responsibility or my role anymore. And it had gotten to a point where it was just almost like too much. Like,
1: yeah. Having up there were, two pages. Yeah.
0: Like not even that, it was just like, if I posted and something was even slightly incorrect, people took it as fact. Like they were going to my page, like it was my Navy HR. Like I mm-hmm. was like, I'm just a lieutenant, like posting mm-hmm. about my life, trying mm-hmm. to recruit people. And it just, the responsibility was a lot. So it was almost and the trolls and like, just in general, like it just became one of those things where I started having anxiety when I would go onto my lieutenant hall page. And so when I got out of recruiting into Navy sessions and now as a flag aid, I deactivated my Lieutenant Hall account, not my job anymore. I wanted to shift focus to the Admiral because my role was being a flag aid. What basically has happened is through my time with Admiral Kutcher and her working, so she's in charge of all of Navy sessions except for the Naval Academy. So OCS, ODS, NROTC, and NJROTC. So through my travels with her and our conversations is how I realized that there is a need still to spread the Navy message Mm -hmm. still. The military in general is in crisis right now with recruiting. People don't know. They don't know what they don't know. They don't even know the Navy is an opportunity for them. They see people on TV holding guns and it's scary and they don't even consider it. And then they meet people like me and they're like, but you're so normal. I'm like, you can do this too. Like it's, it's right. rewarding. Like I love my job. Mm-hmm. And so oh, yeah. I've actually gotten so much support from my boss and so many others to keep sharing the Navy message because we're in this time in our culture and in our you know, stage of lives where people just don't know enough about it. And I genuinely enjoy it. I genuinely enjoy the Navy and I genuinely enjoy social media. So it's, I feel like it's a talent that I can use to give back to the Navy as well. Like you said, like we all have our individual talents and I just so happen to have a talent for social media and I'm not afraid to share my life on it. And a lot of people are like, it's super hard to have people attack you every week, but then there's also so many more positives that come from it. Like people joining the military or doing other aspects of their life because they follow me or pursuing other opportunities. So that's kind of why I've continued it. And then now the Navy Recruiting Command has dubbed me one of their Navy social media ambassadors, which is pretty cool. So I kind of still get to continue that passion while pursuing and continuing my role as an HR officer. I love it. That was so long. I'm so sorry, but it's a really long
1: explanation. (laughs) It was really great. And my camera went out for a second. And so, no, your timing was perfect. And I appreciate the explanation because I do think that the Navy is starting and the other branches as well. They're starting to come around slowly but surely to understanding how important influencers are. And I would argue, and when I say influencers, what I really mean by that is anybody who creates content and puts it out there online. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be people with huge followings like yourself. It can really just be anybody who wants to share a message has the ability to do so in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And we'll find is in communities, people follow other people to get Mm -hmm. news, to get information, to share ideas. And I think that the only way for us to stay relevant in the digital Mm -hmm. age is to engage in online communities. There's no other way to do it because we don't have the faith in mainstream news that we used to. People aren't going to the movies anymore as much. They're not watching as much TV. that they're, they're get, I feel they're getting their information where the people that they look to as the thought leaders, so yeah. that the podcasters, the YouTubers, the people like yourself on Instagram. And so if we want to stay relevant in the digital age as a military and recruit the best and the top talent, then we're going to have to go into the spaces where they're having those conversations and they're having those conversations on Instagram, they're having them on TikTok, they're having them through YouTube. And so what I think you're doing, Kelly, is you're providing the military with a way to revolutionize and modernize their communications in a way that I think is groundbreaking. And I think that it's only going to continue to soar as your career soars. So, that would kind of be my next question because you have a successful podcast. You continue to go and you go to the Naval Academy. You do. You went to their diversity conference, I think, this past year, mm-hmm. the Army-Navy game, and you broadcast live from there. Like, what trajectory and where do you see all of these things taking you as you move forward in your career?
0: You know, I just had some tea with ladies this morning, and I feel like it asked this question constantly. And I yeah. think my answer is, I don't know. I have a bigger vision for my life, right? So someday, you know, I'm 30 years old at 40 or 45, maybe 45 and 50. Like I would love to be anchoring a morning show, right? I want to be a talk show host. I want to tell people stories. But in between that time, I get to serve my country. I get to be in the Navy like right. what an amazing career to have right and right. i'm doing both at the same time like i think that's where the issue is is that early in my career everyone kept telling me to table my passion mm-hmm. shelve that for later i don't want to do that i want to build those paths simultaneously and it's actually helping the navy and it's helping me like i'm learning so many traits and skills in and out of my job so the funny part is like i'm over here what you don't see on social media is my actual job out of respect for my boss. I don't post what I do as a flag aid, Mm -hmm. which actually would be incredible content. Like being flag aid is insane. Like I have the most insane job and it cracks (laughs) me up every day. My stories are so funny. Like my mom is like, how are you not journaling this? Like they're going to make for such a funny novel someday. But because that's not where I need to be right now. Like I don't need to be taking my job as a flag aid onto the internet. I need to be a flag game first and foremost, right. that's my job. And then I, the experiences I learn challenges in leadership and the experiences and the lessons I learned from my boss and the other officers I'm around, I take those to social media and to my podcast and I talk about them. So I'm kind of living like two lives, like a Hannah Montana, you know, I have my full time job in the Navy, but that's what brings me validation for this other life. And that's what I get from my life as an influencer and on social media and all these passions that I have. That's why I get sensitive when people say that I'm just like a Navy influencer or just a military influencer. Cause I always I'm like, it's actually not my job in the right. Navy. I'm a I'm full HR officer with a whole billet with a whole, you know, job full time. I do this on the side because I'm passionate about it and because I love it and because it brings value to the military. And like you said, I don't see a lot of other people specifically in the Navy doing this. And I'm fearful of that. Like if we wanna stay relevant, if we wanna recruit top talent, if we want to make sure that we have the right people in the military now and in the future, like gotta keep up with our competitors. And this is what our competitors are doing. I mean, you think Amazon doesn't have influencers. You think corporate Target doesn't have influencers. Mm-hmm. You don't think you know, the top tech companies in the world aren't on social media. They are on social media and they're right. not just posting about Target products. They have ambassadors, they have influencers, they have people talking about their day-to-day, talking about their products, talking about what they're doing. That's why they're gonna continue staying relevant because they have whole social media marketing teams. They're doing this full-time. We don't really have that. You no. know, we don't have a whole team of Kelly Zabrakis out there in the world talking about their Navy journey. There's right. like five of us. Yes. Like, you yes. know, and then yeah. the five of us that are doing it are getting attacked constantly. So
1: right.
0: I just remember and like <laughs> luckily, my passion for social media comes really easy to me. So what doesn't come easy to me is my job every day as a human resources <laughs> officer. That's oh, yeah. really hard. So I'm gonna keep doing that. And my next billet is I'm slated to be the executive officer here in um, Chicago MEPS. And that terrifies me because I've never been an executive officer before. I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep learning from it. And those lessons are the lessons I'm going to take to social media. And I think that that validates my presence online because I'm still doing a job that's hard in the military. And then I can take all of those lessons learned to my social media following, whip up a quick thirty minute real to post Mm -hmm. and then keep sharing my story. So now the Navy is sending me to events randomly throughout the year to cover and create content for, and that's only going to continue exposing me to new opportunities and new challenges. And we'll see what doors that eventually leads to. So I know that's long winded, but for now I'm going to keep doing my everyday job in the Navy and just see what fruit continues to bear from my side passions. Because eventually I will get out of the Navy. And I think doing both of these things at the same time will create a lot more opportunities for me.
1: I agree with you, Kelly. We have another question here and it's from Tim Dickey. He says, how can prior service members support getting the word out on social media that the Navy is a solid career option?
0: Oh my God, that's a great question. And I think Same theme that we've been talking about this entire podcast, which is really sharing your story. Mm -hmm. There's multiple ways to do that. Obviously, Teresa and I are comfortable with social media. That's why I take to social media, Instagram, my podcast, and share my journey online, which has significant reach, right? Like, I can post on my couch, and it reaches thousands. Like, and I didn't even have to leave my couch. (laughs) But then I go to events. Even this Friday, I'm so excited. I'm going home for the weekend. But I took time to reconnect with my old NJROTC instructor. And I'm going to go speak at my classroom in my high school and put myself in front of 50 high school kids because they might have never found me on social media. But boom, I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to tell them the opportunities that I've had. And anyone who's been in or out of the service can start doing that. You can reach out. There's like 250 NJROTC units nationwide go find a local unit to talk to, or go find all these different events to speak at, or, you know, go to women's networking luncheons and speak about your experience. But there's so many opportunities, but you have to just be willing to share your story and be vulnerable in that. But there's so much fruit that bears
1: from that transparency. Absolutely. And I think that a lot of times, even things like going to your old alma mater, like going to your high school and just speaking to one classroom you know right. 20 people cuz sometimes that's all it, all it takes i mean yep. you really just don't know that you're having an impact until sometimes somebody will contact you like 6 months later and they'll share a story about a post you did or a or a blog that you put out and that's what the power is of getting your story out there is that mm-hmm. it, it may not seem like in the moment that a lot of people are listening or that care but then sometimes you'll just get that one email and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like this really had an impact. And it's just so yeah. powerful. And people do need to share these stories and let people know that, yes, the Navy is a, an amazing career opportunity. There's, I believe that it's such an untapped resource for young people to find themselves and to figure out who they are in such a wide variety of settings. And it's it is really unfortunate sometimes that, we don't do a good job, I think, as a whole, of really getting that story out there through digital platforms, and so right, that's right. why it's just good that people like yourself are, are stepping up and and doing that because it's it's so important.
0: I will add to that too. You know, recently when I spoke at the Naval Academy, there was I was there with uh, Jackie, my best friend, mm-hmm. also Marine Corps officer, and. Our influencer. And, you know, after the conference, we were just reflecting. We were at dinner, we were reflecting on how many young girls and men midshipmen. And these girls, I had, I had some of them, they were like, I literally applied to the academy because of you. I've been following you for four years. Like, I do pageants too, It whatever it was. Dozens and dozens of amazing midshipmen. And then we go to dinner that night. And over dinner, we had a screenshot sent to us that uh, anonymously. People were posting about us online and it was like, why is Lieutenant Hall, people still call me Lieutenant Hall, why is Lieutenant Hall being asked to speak at the diversity conference? Why do people think she's so inspiring? I don't think she's inspiring at all. I sat back and Jackie immediately gets to, she's like, what the heck? Like, you're so inspiring. Like, how can people say that? And I was like, Jackie, here's the thing. Everyone has a different metric for what's inspiring. I may not inspire them that's fine. Like they may not be a person who, first of all, they might be a male. Right. So they may not understand this, you know, being a minority in this male-dominated field or wanting to be a wife and a naval officer or wanting to compete in a pageant, be feminine. being That's fine. But hopefully they do find another source of inspiration, you know, that's relatable for them. And I think that's the point that people fail to remember is it's not necessarily inspiring the masses.
1: No, it's it's not
0: the people who find you relatable and needed someone relatable to see. And that's that's a miscommunication. Like someone recently posted a review on my podcast. It was like, why does she have a platform? You would literally think she's a celebrity, but she's literally no one. And I was like thinking about it and I'm like, but that's exactly why I have a platform because I'm not a celebrity. I'm just a normal 30 year old who likes to get spicy margaritas with my husband and happens to take to social media and record a podcast from now and then like people follow me because I am relatable. Cause I'm not, I didn't get right. a medal of honor. And I, <laughs> you know, I don't work at the white house. Like I'm just a normal woman and people need to see that relatability more.
1: I believe you're right, Kelly. And I think that that's also why our ambassadors need to be people of all types of races, yeah shapes and sizes and personalities and ages. I mean, you know, uh, social media, I would say is a younger person's game maybe. And, and, you know, I'm in my mid forties and I'm very active on social media. Yeah, but... you did a great, obviously. <laughs> you did a great job. Yeah, exactly. You know, though. I mean, but I don't really care. I mean, it's, I realize that I probably appeal to people that are, you know, of an older demographic, but that's also because I'm an older demographic and everybody's going to have a speaker or a storyteller that resonates with them for whatever those reasons are. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's why it's so important to get your story out there and to have people know that they are not alone in the things that they're struggling with. I think the last question I have before we close out of this show and what really would be touching for people to know is tell me about a time when you shared something online that was particularly vulnerable, like something that you were struggling with and you shared about it and tell me a little bit about what effect that had
0: you know in general teresa i i share a lot i'm pretty transparent online um you know i've shared about failing you know because i will classify it as a failure i did not report to my ship and get my swap pin, like most naval academy graduates are supposed to like most commissioned officers are supposed to you know, and then I redesignated and then became an HR officer. And I think something that people don't understand is I have to live with that every day. Like people, you know how common it is for people to go to flight school and redesignate out of flight school into other communities? Probably so definitely. common all the time. Literally well, monthly. Like people <laughs> they get air sick, they get anxiety, medical, whatever, or maybe they don't have the test course for it. Doesn't matter, but they redesignate into other communities. I have never ever heard someone say oh they were a failed aviator now they're you know hr but i've never heard that but because i was in a community that it's so common that you get a swell pen and then you redesignate and that's typically the pipeline mm-hmm. right yep. or if it's not working out you get out of the navy i've had a lot of those happen too it's not as common for people to leave like i did and go into hr and i think i have to live with the fact that my first tour didn't go the way both I had hoped and the way the Navy had hoped. But instead, this was my journey. And I say that every day when I put on my uniform, I don't have a warfare device. Every day when I introduce myself to someone, I don't have a warfare device. And they have to go, what are you? Or every time I'm online and I post a a headshot, people have to debate what my community is and say, oh no, she's a failed SWO. I relive that weekly. And that's fine with me because that experience of failure has gotten to me where I am today. I learned, I picked myself up. I decided the Navy is where I want to be and I want to continue on as a Naval officer. I don't want to fail. I'm going to be the best damn HR officer I possibly can be. And you know what, by God, if you looked at my (laughs) reps, I think you'd be proud of me. But I constantly have to hear that online. And I think that if anything, it ignites me more because- There are so many more people who are Mm. going to fail. So many more. There are so many more people who are going to struggle in the military, who are going to fail, but they might get another opportunity. They might get Mm -hmm. another chance. They might get another billet. They might get another job. They might get promoted. Whatever it is, we're all going to be given second chances as to what you're going to do with those second chances. So people interpret my posts really however they want to. Like If they want to be inspired, they're going to be inspired by it.
1: If right. they want
0: to go in and troll me and attack me, they're going to find something about me. Someone yesterday, oh my God, Teresa, someone yesterday was like, can we please talk about this cringy influencer and how she, what did he say about my smile? It was like, oh, how she has a manically insane <laughs> smile. Like I was like, manically. And he like posted all these photos of my style, how they like do a wide. And I was like, I love how you were like investigating my profile to figure out like what's wrong with me. And you went for my smile. I was like, oh man, like what a horrible world I live in. You know, that the one thing you can find is my smile. But that means they're searching for it. They're searching for things to attack you on. And that's fine. You know, like you and I keep talking about, it's just show up. Oh yeah. Inspire the people who want to be inspired. I may not change the minds of those who are small-minded, but I can potentially change the course of those who want to be ignited. And that's what I'm going to keep doing.
1: I love it. Yep. And I always say that when the haters come out, it's a sign that you're doing something right because you're resonating and they wouldn't be hating if you weren't resonating. And you and I have talked about this. I've had my fair share. I'm up to, I think, three or four social media complaints to change the command where people get... That
0: means you've made it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That means I've brought up something. That means, yeah. To bring up thought-provoking content, I'm not afraid to take on a controversial issue and I'm not afraid to call out the military where Mm -hmm. I'll call out other institutions or other things that I see. And I'm not afraid to call out myself. And so the way I see it is the person that you meet and you talk to -to face-to-face across the counter at work, that's the same person you see on the internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's gonna be people who like me and there's gonna be people who don't. And that's part of life. The way I see it at this stage of the game and this season in my life, I'm just so happy and I'm so blessed and I've and things have turned out in such a way that have made me very, very grateful. And so I just take every day as it comes and I'm just, I'm glad to be alive. I mean, that's really the bottom line is that you never know what's going to happen the day after tomorrow or the next yeah. day. All you can do is keep yeah. on living in the present. What are you going to do with it? Yeah. What, what are you going to yeah. do? You what got, you you got do one life, 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 life. To Make mm-hmm. it count. So. Exactly. Well, Kelly, this has been such an incredible pleasure. Thank you so much. I wanted no, to do this for so long and, and we got the chance to do it. And uh, I just, gosh, I just like you even more after talking for an hour or so. Thanks, Teresa. Um, I appreciate you.
0: And I will say, I know that you mentioned, you're like, oh, maybe I appeal to the older demographic, but women like me need to see women like you. We need to see you continuing to succeed in all stages of life. Exactly where you are, and it's really inspiring for me to see too. You know, I'm just behind you. I think it's important to have mentors in every phase of your life, and to see you continuing to speak your mind and pursue your passions. Like that's what I need to see as a young junior officer as well. So thank well, you.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I believe it's our job to uh, pave the road for those who come after us, mm-hmm. and give them, uh, you know, impart onto them what the lessons learned and the things that that we've done and and ways in which we've overcome certain things. So. Thank you so much, Kelly. I will just meet you backstage very quick. I'm going to go on Hi. full screen real fast. But Great. thank you guys thank so you. much for joining us uh, tonight. Next week, I am going to France for the Marcom ski team. Apparently, there's a ski team at NATO. And so we are all going to go skiing as a work family. And so I will not be podcasting. But I will see you guys uh week after next. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show as much as I did. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. And have a good night now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in
0: to another episode of Misunderstood Podcast. I love hearing from you guys and I want you to take a screenshot of this episode, tag at misunderstood.podcast on Instagram and share a takeaway from today's episode. Something you loved, something you wanted more of, whatever it is, it helps me learn what you guys want to hear. Please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. The views and opinions presented here in this episode are those of myself and do not necessarily represent the views of the DoD or its components. Appearance of or reference to any commercial products or services does not constitute DoD endorsement and those products or services. The appearance of external hyperlinks does not constitute DND endorsement of the linked websites or of the information, products, or services therein.